Again, it is, as I say so often, it is so good to see you. Um, and I want you to be aware also uh, of the church's uh, worship guide. It may be that you see, yeah, I get this, and I see the flow of what's going on. But there are so many things in that that would help you to read and just to notice. And one of the things would be that you saw that, that on the little uh, area we have for prayer, uh, that we haven't filled that out. It's not like we don't have enough to pray for. It's because we want to make sure there's room for anything in particular that you think, I need to remember to pray for that. And if you can't think of anything, let me just tell you this week that comes will be the first full week uh, of school. Uh, and we have so many educators here and students and others. And, and I hope you would make that a special time of prayer every day as we go forward here. Also, there's a, a rather small opening for you to write in on some comments on on the, the sermon, and that's particularly done that way so that you would think, I need to write down not all kinds of notes, although today I may want to ask you to do some of that because we're going to deal with some very central central issues of the Christian faith. In fact, this will be the very center of what Jesus' teaching uh, was all about. But it's primarily a place for you to write down what God reminds you of or what he tells you maybe for the first time that you don't remember when God speaks. Um, so <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, if you would turn, I'll read from there in just a few minutes to Luke chapter 6. You know we're in this major theme uh, of t- together, uh, life together, and we are asking all these questions. We are, we're looking at this from all different kind of angles. The last while we've been uh, kind of in the gospel of Luke, and we're recognizing that when we're talking about the kingdom of God or life together in the church, that is in God's community, what we're looking at is some place that is alternative to what we see around us. It's a place where, where life looks different, where togetherness looks different, where forgiveness looks different, where, where, uh, grace looks different, where love looks different. Everything is different in a community that is shaped by Christ. And so today we come to one of the most central passages that we have in the teaching of Jesus. In Matthew, uh, some of that same teaching is framed uh, differently. Uh, most likely Jesus was somewhat speaking some of these same central issues in different kind of contexts. Here he is on a plain. There he was on a mountain. Uh, we call that the Sermon on the Mount. Here uh, the Sermon on the Plain, if you will. But let me begin by, by just observing a little bit. Um, we are often told, uh, we live certainly under the conviction very often, that human life all the way through is about carrying our past and learning how to deal with our past. In, in fact, it is kind of common, commonly accepted simply that, that uh, most of our traumas as human beings, most of the kind of conflicts we engage ourselves in, uh, uh, personally and otherwise, uh, most of the kind of demons that individuals are fighting and, and on and on um, have their root or find their origin uh, in the various kinds of events 
that uh, had happened during our life, maybe especially through childhood, events that have kind of shaped the way we think and the way we experience things. Whether that comes consciously or subconsciously, they have latched themselves into our very being. And although a lot of new research have, have have been kind of reopened and, and reinvestigated where they look at uh, the relationship between heredity and, and, and uh, environment or between nature and nurture, as you may say that, and, and a new kind of investigation into what is called epigenetics, which has to do with the relationship between nature, the genetics, if you will, and, and, and the environment or our, our nurture. Although that has happened, uh, still the great and significant focus, I guess, is still and remains on our engagement with the past. Well, the text that we look at would take a look at that and change that. Jesus is changing that. And we, we are so in, involved in the other way of thinking that even when we talk about history... We, we do history so that we can learn from the mistakes made then that we don't repeat them now. When we get to the biblical focus, it is not so much, at least not exclusively on the past, it is primarily on the future. And it goes all the way back. If you go to Abraham, who came from this, this pagan place called Ur in Chaldea, he was called out to that new promised land that God had called them. When you look at Israel, who were in Egypt, they were promised a new land, and they were taken out through difficulty through the desert, but into the promised land. If you look at a prophet like Isaiah, for example, much of what's going on in his whole historical kind of environment, he's talking about the time that comes when land shall lie with leopards in peace. And when you get to the New Testament, of course, all of it is focused on what we in kind of fancy language call eschatology or the end time. The end times which began at the incarnation of Jesus and which will end as his, at his return. And so when we get to Luke, he's asking us to listen to Jesus right here as he speaks. And he's highlighting that in the biblical way of thinking, it's no longer primarily the past that should shape our present as much as it should be the future and the promise that God gives that should shape our present. Would you read with me from chapter 6 and verse 17? It'll be on the screen. You're at home if you have, have a Bible here or if you have it right here. We talked last time about him being with the disciples and calling the disciples. And then here, after coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Then looking up at his disciples, he said, 
Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note. Your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are full now. For you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing. For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For this is the way the answers are used to treat the false prophets. Would you look at the text again. And just notice how this whole scene is set up. Jesus was together, and look here, with a large crowd of the disciples, not just the 12, a large crowd of disciples. And not only that, there was also a great number of people from everywhere in Judea and Jerusalem and even from the seacoast of, of Tyre and from Sidon. And they all came to hear him to bring healing to them. That's the whole point that you see here. They came because he brought healing from their past and promise to their present and their future. Four, as the Bible says right here in verse 19, a power came out from him. And may I say that even in a contemporary way, that this is still the beginning point for every relationship with Jesus Christ that any person can ever have anywhere. It begins when you come to him, recognizing that the power that went out from him then is the same power that still will go out from him today. Also today, when people come to Jesus, they experience, also like we have sung about this morning, they will experience that things that used to bind them and that they used to imprison them, they are now being released. The power of Jesus can let some of those chains fall off like trees, like leaves from trees in the fall. Some of the songs that we sing, and I was this, our prayer, Praying about this and, and preparing here, I was thinking about Zach Williams' song. I, I think it's probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old now, however long it is. And many of you know a chain breaker. If you have pain, he is the pain taker. If you get lost, he is the way, the way maker. If you have chains, he is the chain breaker. The same Jesus. Jesus came to show us how to live in light of God's power, in light of God's future. He is the one who brings the power that can separate us from the gloom of the past and even the pain of the present. And so, can we look at this? If we all desire 
to find that kind of relief, that kind of newness of life. That is exactly what we find in this, what is usually considered the central piece of Jesus' teaching. Look what is going on here when he speaks. And again, if you look up at the text, you'll notice here who he's speaking to. We just had that description of a huge crowd, and then it says, then he turns to his disciples. A large crowd, not just the twelve. That is, everyone whose life is shaped by their faith in him. Those that are his. And so, here it comes. As you look at this, he says, Blessed are those who are poor. For the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you and you're now hungry because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. Now, don't take that as a statement of, of general truth that, that, that those who really want to serve God, those who are truly his, you know, there's something specifically blessed about being poor, blessed about being hungry or blessed about being sad. That's not what he is saying. In fact, he's saying the exact opposite. He's saying the exact opposite of this. He says, listen up, you who belong to me. Those of you who are allowing your faith in me to shape your whole life. He said, even if and when you are poor. Even if and when you are hungry. Even if and when you're sad. Don't let that define your life. That's what's going on right here. The kingdom of God is yours. Even if you're hungry now, that you know that that will not last. A day will come where everything will be different. A day will come when poverty is going to be turned into riches, where hunger will be replaced by satisfying food, where, where sadness is replaced by joy. It's already here. Jesus preached and said, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, it doesn't feel all in all yet, but it has come near. It's not the pain of the past, but the promise of the future that should shape your everyday now. It is that certainty that we know what will come, that he will send back from the future to us like waves or even streams, if you will, of power into this day. You are to even rejoice, leap with joy, even when people hate you and they reject you because of my name, Jesus says. Because you know, you just know that the day will come. Indeed, it's already here, not in its fullness, but it has begun. And you can be part of that in the kingdom of God with the future will reverberate back in and give healing to your presence. This is what we see. And you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I understand. If you want a concrete biblical example, just think of 
of Peter. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. That is, this is your whole past. This is what has shaped you. Everything you've gone on, that makes you Simon, the son of Jonah. But you will be Peter. Everything will change. Even the testimony flowing from your life will be the rock upon which I will build my kingdom. This changes everything. Did that make him perfect? No, not at all. He messed up. Even at the most critical moment. At that point of Jesus' trial, Peter rejects Jesus. Three times even. And you thought, Jesus is going to be done with this dude. No, no, no. When Jesus rises from the dead and he comes, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, you know I do, Lord. And he points to the future again. And he says, watch my sheep feet my sheep. Not lingering in the past, but talking about how he can be used in the future. Are you hearing this? This will transform everything. We talk so much about the gospel. We do all these things and we, we miss where the power is. And this should give an enormous amount of release and, and just a sense of freedom and liberation here. Normally people have, and I don't want you to misunderstand that. I'm going to come back and just, just kind of uh, make sure you understand what I'm saying here, right? But normally people had, there nothing they can do. If they, if they are not, don't know the kingdom of God, they don't know who he is, all they can do is trying to find resources within themselves to treat whatever is, is, is going on. Maybe they can find a psychologist or a psychiatrist who can help them kind of find back to that moment in, in time that really messed it up and, and then have them rethink that and, and rework that. And inside their own resources, maybe find some kind of release. And don't mishear me. I'm not saying that it's bad to, to find help and to seek help to get a grip on your past and on your emotions. That's a good thing. Don't, don't misunderstand that. But... For the Christian, the greatest help never comes from the past. It always comes from God's promise of the future. The power that belongs to the future when God's kingdom is coming and infiltrating all of us in full is already here. Just not in full. You don't feel liberated. I don't know what will. Go back. Read this again. Luke chapter 6. Read, read Mark chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. You'll see the same theme. Anything really in the gospel comes from there. This is the center of the gospel message, if you will. God's spirit. That's what that's all about. That, that's what it's about when we talk about the life that Jesus Christ has given us. He came to show us or to tell us that the kingdom of God has come near. That's the point. You can trust what he says. 
And notice what is there again and again, right? The, the, the rock that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You hear this? How often is it that we just make Jesus one of the stones in the building? There are many stones. One of them is Jesus. Instead of the cornerstone. And when he's not the cornerstone, little difference is made from the power that could be reverberating back from the future into your life. So, that's what we see. Believer, personal believer, if you will, is connected to the power that comes from Jesus right here in verse 19. They came because a power came out from him. A power that can break the chains that binds each of us at the moment. If you read the Psalms like I do, it's, it's just part of almost daily ritual. When you can't find words to express what you want to express to God, read a psalm. Go to the 107th uh, of the psalms and, and just read what, what, what David is saying here. He brought them out, talking about Israel, out of darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. And you say, how do we miss this? How is it possible that we sometimes have not really seen it? I've, talking to, I've spoken to a lot of people who have been Christian for years and said, I don't know that I ever saw this. And said, how do we miss that? Well, I think we have missed it because we have missed the gospel itself. We have turned it into a question of personal salvation. It's about getting out of hell in the afterlife. Uh, it's me, God, and, you know, I'm rescued, I'm good, in the afterlife. And we have treated the gospel of Jesus in a way where his life didn't really matter all that much. Only his death mattered. You're holding on with me. This is where you might want to take, take some notes. This is kind of a... Jesus theology one-on-one, if you will. It's, it's kind of a New Testament center, if you will. You ask the question, why is the, how do we get to that where we only talk about his death and resurrection and not his life really much? Well, it, it might come from, it's hard to kind of always decipher exactly when that started, but there's a good reason, a good chance at least, you know, in the very, very earliest church, there were heresy coming up where people were denying the divinity of Christ and to counter that they made a summary of the most important things that spoke to that matter of the divinity of Jesus and it's an apostolic confession and it goes like this I believe in God the Father the creator of heaven and earth and his son Jesus Christ who what was what conceived by the spirit was born under Mary and what Persecuted under Pilate. Yes. Nothing about his life. And that was good for that. But we lose the power of him coming to show us how to live in light of God's kingdom. That it is already here. Don't miss this, friends. I know I became technical here for a moment. 
But this is so important in a time where we struggle more than, than I think, at least in my lifetime, we have, we have been aware of in terms of all kind of mental uh, issues and, and traumas. So the contrast here, if you come back to, to the text, the last few verses, and I'm going to round up with that, is somewhat stark and not all that pleasant, really. Woe to you who are rich now. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who are laughing now, because that's going to come to an end. Again, let me say what I said before. Jesus is not saying that there's something inherently bad about, about being rich or about being full or about being joyful. To the contrary, he's turning it right around. And he said, woe unto you if you think that just because things are well now, that that's going to be everlasting. I meet people all the time. And I'm sure you do too. If you ever share your faith, you'll meet people who say, I don't know what it is that I need to have my life transformed from. What is Jesus going to transform my life for? Things are good. I don't want anything to really change. And we should all wish that for people. We really should. I I hope every people, every person will be able to say that. But what Jesus is saying here is, woe unto you if you think that is all that matters. That, that, that you're just fortunate that things have gone your way, so to speak. That, that, that the result of your life is just because of your own resources. That you have just been able to do things better than maybe some others. What he's really saying If your experience of the present is all you have, you're woefully deficient in your thinking. He says, when the joy that you know stops at personal enjoyment, when the satisfaction is reduced to doing well and being well taken care of, when, when you're Wealth is counted in dollars and net worth. Woe unto you. And as I've said before, most of the things that really count cannot be counted. That's what Jesus is pointing to right here. Listen, friends. To experience Jesus as a personal friend, as a significant part of your life, changes Everything. The good you experience now will be transformed to something that is not just momentary or temporary, but everlasting. Your priorities have changed. Your purpose has changed. You see things in new light. Your levels, your levels of true life, true riches, true satisfaction, genuine joy will be Forever changed. Given new depth, new height, new width. Everything is changed. Remember that old song? Some of you are old enough to remember someone called Andrew Crouch, one of my favorite gospel singers. He used to sing a song that said, I didn't know it could be until it happened to me. 
takes care of skepticism right there. I didn't know it could be until it actually happened to me. The chain that binds us, struggles that we have, the healing for that, Jesus says, comes as you don't look to the past, but you look to God's promise of the future and let the power of Christ reverberate back from that. That kingdom of God that will be here in full begins to take root and hold of the very way you think, even now. I hope that didn't sound too much just like a lecture, friends. Biblical, central teaching of Jesus. If we grasp that, everything will change. You know, songs about chain-breaking and pain-taking and way-making move from being just a song into have real concrete change in the way we think and in the way we experience life. So I want to invite you this morning to come to God and say, God, I understand that your son Jesus Christ came to pray, came to preach. The kingdom of God has come near. And I want these promises of the future to be reverberating back into my life. Change the way I think. Liberate me from the chains and the pains of the past and the present. And set me in this new light. That, friends, will change everything. That's a word to the church as well. Not just to individuals. Let's look at the promises for the future. And not to the pain of the past. Can we stand, friends? We're going to be someone here to help you pray. You may want to grab a spouse or a friend or someone just sitting next to you and say, will you walk down with me and pray? There will be some here that, that just need to give their lives to Christ for the first time. Just rededicate once again. Or if you say, hey, I, I don't know of a fellowship where I can be encouraged in this new way of thinking, so to speak. Come join us. We'll love to walk with you. In your walk with Christ. There's going to be a table outside the same way. Also, if you feel like I don't know how to come forward. You know, I'm new. I don't know anything about this. There'll be a table out there. So start here. Just walk over there. And they will help you. Talk to you about the church. Talk to you about Christ. Whatever your question is. Father, will you pour out your spirit. upon each of us and all of us. There are some who struggle with deep pain. Just sorrow, grief. Other than others that have been just done wrong. People who carry scars that are just hard to find healing for. Or people who are just joyful, but they lost perspective. Would you, with your power, speak? Break the chain. Bring us back to the way when we get lost. We ask this in your powerful name, O oh Lord. Even now. Amen.